Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Dr. Rob Zamet and a brand new episode of The Doggy Pod is coming up now. Yes, The Doggy Pod. I'm his producer and my name is Stephen Peters and together we're talking all things dog. Well, mostly Dr. Rob's talking all things dog, not so much me. Yeah, try and shut me up sometimes, I know. Uh, well, <laughs> look, in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about dogs' communication with each other. You know, what are the telltale signs of dogs telling other dogs what's on their mind, you know, from fear to fright to anger and, of course, love. I like, I like the way you say love. Love, Rob. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm very keen to hear about that. I mean, what does it what, mean? Love? No, 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 the other bit, the other oh, bit. Okay. Communication bit. What does it mean when your dog, you know, literally has his tail between his legs? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that, but um, we're also going to talk about dogs' tongues. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a very good topic, dogs' tongues. A lot of misconceptions about it. I mean, do dogs have taste buds? People often wonder because of things I'll pick up and eat. Do they have sensory nerves in their tongue? And, yeah, what's the connection, I'm often asked, between the tongue and the nose? Yeah, you get asked all sorts of wacky stuff, Rob. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, <dinner> parties. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And you're a pretty bloody good cook, I must say, to everybody <laughs> listening. Uh, I've eaten Rob's food many times, and he is really good. Anyway, let's not pat him on the back too much. Um, what's been happening in the clinic this week, Rob? Oh, man, I tell you what, snakes alive. We've had... Because the weather's yeah, warming up here It's in warming yeah. up, and already... In the last fortnight, we've had three snake bites now. Oh, no, sorry, four. Four snake bites. The other one came in today, I was told. I but wasn't you live on in today. a uh, semi-rural area, though, don't you? So well, it's well, more prevalent well, there. Well, bad news there. Um, a lot of them coming in from the suburbs. You know, they're not coming from out west, to where, but rather they're coming in from the other area. And I'm really shocked. Areas where we're re- literally suburbs. Of of Sydney on the outskirts. Well, you don't need a lot of you don't need a lot of bush. 
no, land or anything. No, yeah. there's not much bush there, and uh, dogs are getting bitten. A lot of snakes are on the move. Big, healthy snakes are coming out already with the warm weather. So it's something that really has to be addressed in a couple of ways. Firstly, what's the likelihood of a snake coming onto your property? If you have a lot of you know, long grass, that's a possibility. If you have piles of rubbish, I'm not, not talking about refuse, but I'm talking about you know things like whole wood pile somewhere or stuff that you've kept in the backyard and you just hardly notice because you haven't looked at it, thought about it. We've all that's got where junk the snake around the backyard. Exactly. The old yeah. junk, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and snakes are going to come you know, and live there. If you have birds at all, often that attracts rodents and rodents attract snakes. So we're seeing a lot of snakes at the moment uh, on the move and, as I said, four snake bites. What do you do? Don't get excited if you if your dog gets bitten. Don't get excited because it makes the dog excited and that pumps the venom around more. Just if your dog's small enough, lift it up and carry it to the car. Take it to your nearest veterinarian who can take care of it with anti-venom. How, they, would, you know, how would you know, though, if your dog's been bitten by a snake? What would well, be the if, telltale if snakes, signs? Very often, yeah, the snake will be there and they, the people will see the dog... Uh, trying to attack the snake or vice versa, the t- snake attacking the dog. Sometimes they see a dead snake there. Has the dog been bitten in the attack of killing that snake? Or at times, yeah, you don't see anything. Your dog just all of a sudden collapses and whiten the gums. And that could be a lot of things, of course. You know, anything from a, a tumour in the abdomen that's ruptured through to a snake bite. But then it's, as I say, get them into the car calmly if you see anything like that and let the vet make the decision if the dog's been bitten or not through a blood test. There are a few blood tests that we can do um, to decide whether the dog has been bitten. Most of the snakes that we see are red belly black snakes. We do see some brown snakes around. When a dog gets bitten with a brown snake, they start seizuring. That's the sign. You know, they'll just go straight into a seizure, and very often they'll die very quickly. You know, Australia, unfortunately, boasts... Amongst the 10 top venomous snakes, I think we have about six of them in this country. So we do see some really bad snakes. red belly black snakes, if you don't see the bite, your dog's gums will often go white and sometimes they'll even start bleeding uh, from certain areas of the body like the gums or somewhere like that. So again, get them to the vet. Anti-venom, what the vet uh, has to use is very, very expensive. Now, veterinarians do not make a lot of money. People keep saying, oh, you must be in it for the money. Truly, if you knew the hourly rate for a vet, you'd be horrified. Yeah, well, people and- <clears throat> people would be horrified to know that, you know, I saw your uh, your Lamborghini the other day and it's at least 12 months old. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, exactly. It's like last year's model. I don't know Disgusting. what the Disgusting. Shouldn't need a new one. But, yeah, that's the whole thing. It's still very, very expensive because drugs are so expensive. That's what where the expense comes in. But... Um, the dog has to be given uh, very often a transfusion as well with red belly black snakes. So that's very expensive. They're in hospital for a while. They could be even on the ventilator if it's a brown snake bite for a while. All these things can be done to try and save your dog. And very often we do save a lot of dogs. In fact, of the four dogs, all of them have been saved from the snake bite. But it's an expensive exercise. Anything from about three to $6,000. Uh, to treat a dog with snake, snake bites. So it can wow. get very, very expensive. So please be aware of that and think about that as the warm weather comes out. So please be aware of snakes. They're around uh, short grass. Walk 
only where there's short grass, think twice about walking through the bush with your dog. Okay, we spend a lot of time on the doggy pod over over all of our episodes talking about how we as humans and owners can best communicate with our dogs and training them and just, you know, wanting to be their best friends and everything. But how do dogs actually communicate with each other? What are the telltale signs that they have to say whether they're cranky or they're uh, scared or they're, as Rob likes to say, they're feeling the love. What a, what a thing. What, how can you read your dog's body language, I guess, yep. is, is, is the question. Yeah, especially when they meet a, a strange dog. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on in their mind? Is it safe? Is it very safe for them or is it safe for the other dog? You certainly don't want your dog in the middle of a dog fight. What are the signs? Dogs have an incredible repertoire of things that they do when they communicate. Everything from obviously visual things that they do, uh, yeah, the way they walk. If it's if they're worried, they'll walk very slowly. Uh, if they're really feeling a bit aggressive, they put their hairs up. Now, on the back of their shoulders, their hairs come up a bit and their tail can come up. That means that they're not happy with the other dog and the other dog might be reacting the same way. If they're staring each other out, looking at each other in the eye, that is a serious sign of aggression. Yeah. You know, and, of course, you've got the vocal things. If they're growling at each other, yeah, there could be a fight on. You've got to separate those dogs straight away. If they come so, in... So do dogs often fight just because they, they see the other dog as, as competition? Yeah, or... yep. It's a, a, yeah, especially male and male more than anything else. If you get two females fighting, doesn't matter the species, keep away. Um, yeah, females usually <laughs> don't fight, but when they do, gosh, it's really bad news. So if they come in... Um, if a dog's charging in at your dog and straight at it, you know, grab your dog, move away, try and get, be careful if you're going to get between the two dogs because you might get bitten as well, but try and pull your dog away because a charge straight in usually means an attack. If it's a bouncy, happy, you know, just loafing in and wagging the tail, that's that's okay. But that charge, you know, where the, the dog's really at a gallop, flat strap, ears back, pinned back, and going straight at your dog, that's a different sign. As I say, the loafy, you know, just the big, that just means, hey, how about a game? And when you watch dogs play, make sure that there's an evenness about who's chasing who. If you've got one dog chasing the other dog all the time, trying to dominate that situation, you want to stop that situation because it's going to end up in tears. The, you know, dogs that are frightened are going to run to you, to the owner, and they'll have their tail between the legs. Yes, the tail between the legs is a sign of Literally fear. their tail between the legs, It's yeah. a fear. It's fear in the dog. And if that's happening, remove your dog from that situation. The dog doesn't deserve to live in a fearful state like that, so remove him from that situation. The waggy tail is just that. It's the happy dog. I'm happy with what I'm seeing, and I'm happy with what I'm smelling because they can smell each other. If there's a lot of adrenaline being pushed out by the other dog, uh, your dog will smell it, and it means either fear or fight. Yeah, it's going to be one of those two if there's a lot of adrenaline. And then you have a look at the body language. Of course, if the tail is right up and curled up and the dog's almost walking on its tiptoes, it's a, you know, a bit being, being dominant, 
maybe even a bit aggressive, so be careful of those things. But yeah, they, they use visual signs, like the way they walk, etc., the way they hold themselves, um, their tail, what it's doing. They use olfactory signs, smell. Remember, your dog has 10,000 to 100,000 times the sense of smell that you have. And they can also, they have a special gland in their nasal passage that can process chemicals, hormones and pheromones. Pheromones are those hormones that dogs release when they're scared or dogs even release when they're happy. They're just scent hormones that your dog picks up. We have them as well. We release them as well. And they do, you know, people make a fortune in this world because of pheromones, things like perfumes and um, other things that, that men put on thinking that's going to attract a woman. All sorts of weird things like that. Well, the dogs have pheromones themselves that they release and they will smell it. And that's really important to the dog. And, of course, there's also the positioning of the dog itself. You know, if it's getting its head down, its front down a bit, almost in a play-like thing, that's quite okay. As I say, if they're standing right over the dog, that's a different story. What does and it mean? Fi- uh, sorry. Yep. What does it mean when a dog appears to have its ears down lower, you know, as in it kind of just drops its ears and gives you that look. Do you know if what I mean? It, if it drops its ears and it's looking at you and staring at you, it's going to be aggressive. Yeah, that's that's usually a sign of aggression. That yeah, you know, or at least concern about what your intentions are. What are you what are you going to do to me? They put their ears back, and it could be aggression, or it could be just severe concern. And I will protect myself if you come closer. So yeah, if they're doing that, right putting their head down, the ears back and watching out and staring at you or staring at the other dog, that's often a sign of I'm very concerned, I'm worried and I will bite if you come close. So it's a whole host of things that we learn about our dogs as we watch them behave with other dogs, we watch them behave with other humans and how they behave with us. And there are certain expectations. You know, it's, it is a contract the contract is unwritten, but it's a, a very meaningful contract between humans and dogs. We look after them, they look after us in different ways. Uh, they're not supposed to bite us, they're not supposed to be aggressive to their owners. It's of concern when they are. There's a problem with the dog if that happens, or there's a bigger problem with the owner. Who knows? But always just look at the signs because you want to pull your dog away from something that's dangerous for your dog or fearful for your dog before it gets to an escalation of uh, something where your dog gets damaged. Okie dokie, in the past, uh, as in just recently even, Dr. Rob often talks about dog's smell, an amazing sense of smell they have. Well, I suppose they should, they've all got bloody big noses so you know you would expect that but um what about their tongues are they is uh, is a dog's tongue as powerful as its nose Mm, no actually in in a word dogs smell their food long before they taste it but they don't taste it for very long uh they we have some nine thousand taste buds on our tongues dogs only have about or around about 1,600, 1,700 taste buds. So their sense of taste isn't quite as um, sensitive as as humans. 
Uh, cats have even less. Maybe that's why cats are so fussy sometimes as eaters. But dog, I didn't yeah, realise that. That's dogs interesting. Dogs have um, not nowhere near as many scent, taste buds in their tongues. Yeah, they use their tongues for all sorts of things, a very important part of their heat control for their body. You know, when they get hot, that's where they sweat and they you know, stick their tongue out so the blood around there gets cool as it goes around the body again. It cools them down quite a lot. They need that tongue for heat control and sweat control. So it's important in hydration. But as far as taste is concerned, not so much. What scientists have worked out is that there are two flavours, if you like, that dogs like more. And, of course, that's you know, salty f- things and, and um, they don't mind those. And they love sweet things, but not bitter things. And that's probably a sign that goes back to their ancestors. If they eat things that are bitter, they're usually toxic in the wild. Bitter things tend to be toxic in the wild, so they keep away. They just don't like stuff that's bitter. But anything that's a bit sweet... Yeah, yum. Dogs do have that sweet tooth. Well, yeah. who doesn't? And really? they, yeah, yeah, anything that, that's obviously not spicy, but you know, salty or, or tastes a bit better that way. And with some dogs that um, are a bit fussy eaters, that's one thing I will do is sprinkle a little bit of chicken salt on their food, and they, hmm, this tastes much better, and they get into it more, and they uh, less tend, so just yeah, salt, really. less tend to be fuss, less tendency to be fussy and eat their food, and the people say, oh, well, but salt's not good for them. Well, salt's not good for us. With their dogs, it's not so bad. You know, as long as you're not overdoing it, you're not putting so much salt in it that's affecting their kidneys, it does not affect their hearts. They don't suffer from uh, cholesterol problems and things in their heart, arteries in their heart. So salt's not such a big problem to dogs as it is for us. In fact, in some instances with dogs with you know, renal issues, I will tell owners to sometimes put a little bit, bit of salt on their food simply to get them to drink more. You know, the old peanuts on the bar trick, those peanuts on the bar are not really free. Yeah. They just make you more thirsty, so you buy more cocktails and spend more money. Um, I fall for that every time. <laughs> and, of course, with dogs, they if they eat a few more, a little bit more salt, not more, more nuts, we don't want to eat that, but a bit more salt on their food, they drink more, so they're flushing their system out more. Not, not a bad idea to do that sometimes with your dog. If it's not drinking a lot, drug that doesn't drink a lot in the heat, and you want it to drink a bit, bit more, that's just a little trick that I do sometimes use. And as I say, with the fussy dogs, that we do. But the connection with the nose and the tongue, of course, there is one. Uh, we, we too smell our food and that makes us hungry and it does the same with dogs. So there is that little bit of, of uh, tasting the food almost before they even eat it. The one thing that I should mention now about the tongue, however, is that people say, oh, you know, dogs' tongues are very sterile and they're very good and let them lick your sores and that. You know, no, no. Who says oh, that? People do. I'm telling you, that. people say yeah. that. Dogs have about the same number of bacteria, different types of bacteria in their mouth as we have. That's about 600 different types of bacteria. Yeah, and that's a lot of bacteria. And if they have periodontal disease, you know, disease of the gums, that can certainly be transferred to humans. It can, you know, if they lick you, that, those bugs can go into your bloodstream and cause problems for you. So you know, make sure your dog hasn't, uh, hasn't got a tendency to eat all the bad things that your dog has got good, clean teeth without periodontal disease if you're going to let him lick you. They do, of course, will give you a kiss. I mean, I, you've seen me 
many times getting licked all over by well, on, around the face and that, around, by my dogs. But they've got good clean mouths and clean teeth and they get a, a raw bone once a week to keep their teeth clean. I always check that and make sure there's no tartar buildup. So I'm quite happy with that and they have a very sweet smelling breath. The dogs that have foul breath, that foul smell means bacteria. And you've got to then address that problem or get your vet to address the problem. Get him to check the mouth, get him to check the teeth. You'll check everywhere and try and work out where that foul smell is coming from. Otherwise, yeah, they are just gorgeous creatures with those tongues. <laughs> so their sense of taste is, is not, not that sophisticated, really. It's, it's the basics. No, it's savoury and sweets, beautiful. Bitterness, yeah, yuck. But it's, yes, but it's pretty basic. And that's why, I guess... You know, people say, oh, I hate feeding him the same thing every night. The dog doesn't think like that. You know, he thinks, oh, this tastes nice. Yeah, that's nice. Tomorrow, it's, oh, yep, that's nice. Same, yeah. It doesn't think, you gave me that yesterday. He thinks, this is good food. That's it. That's the end of the story. Dogs, you know, in some cases, of course, people live to eat. Uh, dogs eat just to live. Welcome back, and it's that time of the show where we uh, answer one of our listener questions, and you can ask Dr. Rob any question you like about dogs, of course, but you can throw in a couple of other curveballs if you like. Uh, just go to thedoggypod at gmail.com, thedoggypod at gmail.com, and um, we will answer one of your questions. Now, this one is... Um, it, it says, uh, lately I've noticed a lot of friends have been giving their dogs canned foods and seeing the difference between dogs that have a fresh diet compared to dogs on canned foods is, and this is uh, her words, staggering. The amount of stomach problems as well as runny poos and a couple of cases of bloat and a slightly twisted bowel. Um, what's your thought, Rob? I would love to know. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I... I like fresh food for adult dogs, and in fact, that's what my dogs get. They get some fresh meat mixed with some dry food. Canned food, Stephen, has such variations in quality, from the really bad stuff to some that's quite good because it's formulated for specific conditions, medical conditions, and it's usually balanced and mixed with some dry food as well. But generally, a lot of the canned food that you get on the shelves it's not stuff that I'd recommend at all and I do see quite a bit of diarrhea with some of the canned food products that, that uh, are out there so I'm not really fussed on canned food the advantage of it is what we talked about earlier in the show taste it does have a lot of aromatics the dogs smell it and they like the taste of uh, canned food very often uh, and people will use it in fussy dogs but Canned food alone, no, it's just too um, dilute in nutrients as well. So if you're going to use canned food, I use a little bit of canned food, would be my recommendation, with quite a bit of dry food mixed together to give the dry food more flavour. You know, we've said this before, that one of the drawbacks of some dry foods, even though they're good quality, they lack palatability for the dog. So if the dog doesn't want to eat it, it doesn't matter how good they're formulated, it's not going to work. That combination that this reader, uh, this listener does of 
some fresh food with some dry food. And she says that she also gives a raw bone once a week. Yep, ideal. Actually adds some warm rice in winter. Yeah, I like giving them something hot in winter, you know, mixed up with their food. Yeah, she talks about that rice and just, pasta yeah. and chicken and uh, veggies and yeah, all sorts of look, goods. Yeah, chicken, like I said, poultry, as long as it's cooked. I never, ever like seeing dogs get raw poultry because they've proven there is a disease, a neurological disease that can affect dogs and it's 80 times more chance of getting paralysis from this disease if you're fed raw poultry. So I keep away from raw poultry for my dogs. Um, cooked poultry, no, not a problem. Cooked rice, cooked pasta, yeah, good carbohydrates, cooked vegetables mixed with it. With young dogs, you've got to remember that they require twice the amount of calcium as adult dogs. And this is the thing. It takes the dog only nine months to 12 months to fully mature its bones. And if you get it wrong in that period, the dog will suffer for the rest of its life. So really important that you get the nutrition right and balanced in the first year of life. After that, not so much. You don't get the uh, imbalances causing so many problems. But it is important to try and keep that going once once you're on a good diet and you've tested, you've talked to breeders and talked to your veterinarian, stick with it. Don't keep changing foods all the time just because of fads or fashion. You know, you've got to make sure that you feed your dog right and keep going right through its life. So you would never recommend just canned food for your dog? No. Okay, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Doggy Pod. Please follow us on uh, on Instagram and Facebook, The Doggy Pod. Um, maybe send in a review if you want on, uh, on Apple Podcasts. I'll leave it up to you anyway. That's the end of this week's episode. And uh, I'll leave you with Dr. Rob. In your life, throughout your life, you're going to be assessed, examined, and very quickly in this world, we are judged, aren't we, by all the other people. They're quick to judge us, often not themselves, of course. They'll judge us very harshly. There's only one creature on this earth that doesn't judge us at all and just loves us unconditionally, and that's our dog. Not, not Goodbye, a cat. everyone. <laughs> nah, well, oh, no, now don't get the cat people oh, offside. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you next week, guys. 